0: in the third installment of our nfl draft series we're gonna be taking a look at the wide receivers of the 2022 nfl draft class now this draft class is definitely interesting because it's not as sure fire as previous years it's got a lot of guys who have high potential guys who could bust a lot of value in the middle and a lot of guys who could creep up on you in those late rounds thanks for joining us today on the breakout my name is abhi gupta you can follow me at real abhi gupta on twitter And of course if you're here that means you love football content so make sure to give us a like and subscribe to this content so that you can stay up to date on everything nfl and college let's dive right in now, I like to evaluate players based on both film and analytics because this helps us gain a much broader picture around what the player's capabilities are and how to contextualize those players from the situations that they're coming from. However, with the wide receiver position, there are just inherently way more wide receivers who have come into the NFL through the draft process than running backs, quarterbacks, or even tight ends. What that means for us is that we can actually rely on metrics even further than we normally do in order to help us separate the good and the bad. I like to rely on these metrics. First, Dominator Rating. Now, If you watched our running backs video, Dominator Rating was used in order to evaluate how dominant was that running back in their own backfield, i.e. how many rushing yards did they have in comparison to all of the rushing yards that that offense had. Wide receiver dominator rating is the exact same thing, just in regards to receiving yards. If a player has a higher dominator rating, that indicates to us that that player is commanding a large percentage of the volume of that passing offense, and it's a really strong signal to us that that player is good, commanding a lot of the offense, commanding a lot of attention, and overall producing with the opportunities that they're getting. Number two, BMI. Now, this one is the most controversial metric on this list and was pretty highlighted last year in the uh, Jamar Chase versus Devonta Smith argument. In essence, Devonta Smith had this fantastic season, but his BMI was probably the lowest that we've ever seen at 23. In comparison, receivers were generally seeing them in the low 24s all the way up to 30. And so Devonta Smith was really small. BMI isn't you know, an end-all be-all metric, but it helps us understand and delineate players who have the frame and the size and the body in order to handle NFL punishment. No one is saying because Devonta Smith has a low BMI, he won't be a good receiver. The question, i.e. the risk with that player, is that because he's so small, how long can he keep playing in the NFL? BMI is able to help us group players together based on size and weight, ultimately helping us see which players if they're bulkier which players if they're lighter how do they compare because at the end of the day you don't want to be comparing 6'5, 240 pound Calvin benjamin to devonta smith that's just not an apt comparison but if you wanted to compare that same guy to a drake london or to a mike evans then that's a much more apt comparison and that's what bmi allows us to do three breakout age Breakout age helps us determine when a player was able to first command a significant portion of the offense on that team. Were you able to control 20% or more of your team's passing offense in college at a reasonable age? If your breakout age is low, That means that as a freshman or a sophomore, you were producing at a pretty high clip for your offense against juniors and seniors. But if your breakout age is really high, that indicates that you were really only able to command and produce once you were older and stronger and more experienced than everybody else. In essence, if you're able to produce a lot earlier, that signals to us that you're going to be very talented and you're going to succeed in the NFL. And number four, Receiving yards per team pass attempt. In essence, what this metric tells us is how much you produce based on each pass that is thrown in an offense. Let's go with an example. Player A has a thousand receiving yards, and that offense threw 500 passes in the season. Player B has a thousand receiving yards, but their offense only threw 300 passes. Which one's more impressive? Probably the person who is able to get more receiving yards in the lower volume passing offense it just indicates to us that each pass that they were catching was a lot more productive and a lot more efficient there were less opportunities and they were able to do more now this isn't an end-all be-all statistic but it helps us contextualize you know when a player is really hyped are they hyped because they're just being thrown the ball a lot or are they being hyped because what they're doing with the ball in that offense is really really amazing. And with that, let's dive right into our honorable mentions. My first honorable mention is Alec Pierce, wide receiver of the Cincinnati Bearcats. Alec Pierce has been really really productive this year. 52 catches, 884 yards, 8 touchdowns, and a pretty modest 2.21 receiving yards per pass attempt. Overall, this guy's a really dynamic playmaker. Uh, if you were watching college football at all, tracking Cincinnati's path to the playoff, this guy pretty much showed up anytime that they needed a strong conversion or if they needed a big play third downs needing a fourth and goal um needing to lay a massive block i mean alec pierce was the guy who would get the job done for the bearcats offense and that's one of the components that i really really like about this guy to sum it up this guy is a fantastic slot receiver but he is going to fly under the radar in the nfl draft this guy you know is going to fall to probably late day 2 early day three somewhere in the like four to six round range and you know he's gonna get picked up he's still got a lot of game to polish but he's gonna be one of those guys where he he's just gonna show up and you're gonna be like where did this guy come from why didn't my team draft him and you know guys I like to compare him to are Julian Edelman Hunter Renfro, Cole Beasley, guys who are able to be the security blanket for your quarterback and are really, really tough. They're willing to do all of the things that a team needs in order to really get more snaps and to actually see the field. I really like this guy, and I think that in the NFL, he has the potential to become a really strong number three, and at the peak of his game, a really strong number two in an offense, playing a slot role and overall being able to convert on those short yardage passes. My next honorable mention is John Mechie III, wide receiver from Alabama. Now, I know all of you Alabama and SEC fans out there, like, how the hell is this guy in your honorable mentions and he didn't even crack the top list? Well, I mean, Let's, let's let's contextualize this guy. He produced ridiculously this year. 96 catches, 1,142 yards, and 8 touchdowns. And that's with Jameson Williams on his team. This guy really did produce. Let's go back to our list of metrics. This guy had no breakout age, so he never surpassed 20% of his team's passing offense, which is really concerning for a metric that I find to be really quintessential for a guy who had opportunities to play. The same argument that people will use for like, Henry Ruggs, Devonta Smith, uh, even Jalen Waddle last year, is that wide receiver room for Alabama was really, really stacked. So, like, can you really fault him? Like, there weren't opportunities. But, of course, if you followed me, you know that that doesn't really phase me, and that didn't really concern me, because the fact of the matter is, is that if John Mechie was better than Devonta Smith, or if he was better than Henry Ruggs, or if he was better than Judy, or if he was better than Waddle, he would have seen more volume. And the fact of the matter is that he just didn't see that production, until this year where he became the number two in that offense to Jameson Williams. This guy is really electric, he has a lot of speed, he has a lot of elusiveness, but all things said, you know, I think that this guy can be of value, I just don't think that he's a top draft capital kind of guy. On top of that, he tore his ACL in the SEC championship game, and that, you know, that's a bummer. That does, unfortunately, drop him a little bit lower for me. You know, maybe without that ACL injury, I could have slipped him into the bottom parts of my rankings. But for right now, I think given all of the stats that we have on him, he is someone to keep your eye out on. My final honorable mention is Sky Moore, wide receiver from Western Michigan. Now, you've probably never heard of Sky Moore before, but thankfully, now you do. This guy is going to be skyrocketing up draft boards in the next couple of months. He has absolutely raked this season. 95 catches, 1,292 receiving yards, 10 touchdowns, with an absurdly high 3.51 receiving yards per team pass attempt. This guy converted to wide receiver at Western Michigan, and in his final season put up these kinds of numbers. Now I know what you're going to say, like, he plays at Western Michigan, who cares, it's not even a power five school. Let's discount him. because he didn't compete against the best of the best. I hear you. I hear you. But look at these numbers. Look at these numbers that this guy put up across the entire year, and look at his final game. Four receiving touchdowns. Now, he's fast rising, which is why I had to include him. He ranked 10th in the entire FBS in catches, and 14th in yards overall. And he produced in this mediocre program So all I'm saying is keep your eye out for this guy because he could be making waves in the NFL Draft and your favorite team could be picking him up at a really insane discount somewhere in day three. And this brings me to my top receivers in the 2022 NFL Draft class. Now, because there are so many wide receivers, I couldn't limit my list to five. In fact, we've got eight today. So let's go ahead and look at what these guys have to offer. Number eight, Garrett Wilson, wide receiver for Ohio State. Now Wilson is a 21-year-old junior for the Buckeyes who had 70 catches, 1,058 receiving yards, and 12 touchdowns on the year. His junior year he had a 21.4% dominator rating with a 20.1 breakout age. His BMI is pretty good, 26, and a pretty modest 2.14 receiving yards per team pass attempt. Garrett Wilson is extremely good at the release point. He uses his quick feet in order to make space, get a step on the defender, and release cleanly. He's pretty much able to force the defender to make some false steps, i.e. take a step in the wrong direction, take too many steps, etc, etc, and that usually allows him to get a step on that defender. However, if he is forced to play through contact, uh, Garrett Wilson isn't necessarily able to do that just yet. He's extremely acrobatic and is always able to contort his body so that he's able to square up at the point of catch and come down with the ball. I love this about him because this guy can pretty much adjust himself to any ball that's coming uh, in his direction. The main problem is that he has drops that actually have nothing to do with any of his fundamentals. They're just lack of concentration drops. He had six this year, which you know was somewhere around you know top thirty of you know all drops in college football and. Many times, watching Garrett Wilson, these would come at really inopportune times. They'd be momentum killers. Um, But all things said, you know, drops are a fixable problem. I mean, take a look at Deontay Johnson in the NFL. He had so many, I think he led the league in drops last year. And this year, he was able to, like, cut them in half, I think. And his production went way, way up, and the confidence in him as a player went up. Garrett Wilson is one of those guys where, you know, he's going to be able, he's going to need to be able to fix that. The other thing is that his vertical threat is a little bit less than you'd hope for, and most of the usage that you'd see at Ohio State for this player were quick throws towards the perimeter. Now his vertical threat is a little bit lower than you would hope for for a receiver of, you know, his talent level, Most of the usage that you'd see Garrett Wilson have at Ohio State was, you know, getting the ball on the perimeter on quick passes, think screen plays or quick outs, those types of routes. The way that he's going to get big plays done for your offense is if you're able to get him the ball in space in the short passing game uh, or you're able to create just a little bit of wiggle room for him because there he's able to rely on his quickness and his elusiveness in order to, you know, elude defenders. All things said, I think Garrett Wilson has a high likelihood of having top two-round draft capital, Uh, but the thing that really concerns me about him is his late breakout age. Having a breakout age of 20 or more indicates that around his junior year, i.e. this year, is when he was really commanding a significant portion of the offense. Now, granted, in the Ohio State offense, you had uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba, you had Garrett Wilson himself, you had Chris Olave. So there were a lot of guys there. And this year, he was able to capture 21% of the passing volume in that Ohio State offense. However, he wasn't able to do that before his junior year. And so that is always going to give me a pause for concern. I think all things said, Garrett Wilson has the potential to be pretty successful in the NFL, but he has to end up in a place that's going to be able to leverage his skill sets. He's not scenario proof. And so that's why Garrett Wilson is number eight on my list. Now I took a look at wide receivers who were drafted since 2010. Uh, And compared them to Garrett Wilson's profile based on his breakout age, based on his BMI, based on his years played, and based on the projected draft capital that I think that he's going to get, I've actually left it as a pretty wide range anywhere from the first to the third round. And this is what my database pulled up. Uh, the comparisons that we see for Garrett Wilson are kind of all over the board. Um, I see a lot of things that I like. I see um, CeeDee Lamb. I see Terrence Marshall, Jalen Waddell. Um, I see Calvin Ridley, uh, Mike Williams. And then at the same time, you're seeing guys like Devonte Parker, Nelson Aguilar, Nico Collins, Denzel Mims. There's a wide range of outcomes for this player. And I think what that indicates to us is that this guy has a really high ceiling and he has a really low floor. And I think that we need to remember that when we're taking a look at where Garrett Wilson lands, and that might affect my rankings come post-draft time. Number seven, David Bell, wide receiver for the Purdue Boilermakers. David Bell is one of my favorite guys in this draft. He comes from the same school Rondell Moore did. This guy is going to be 21 years old at draft day. He had an extremely productive year at Purdue. 93 receptions, 1,286 yards, six touchdowns, and a 27.8% dominator rating his junior year. But here's the catch. His breakout age was 18.7, super, super young when he was commanding a lot of that offense. He has a 26.3 BMI, and he has a pretty modest 2.23 receiving yards per team pass attempt. He's one of those classic guys that, you know, isn't gonna get day one draft capital. He will probably get drafted day two, early day three. And he's gonna fall into a good situation. And he's gonna end up having a really, really productive career. And we're gonna go, why did he drop? Why didn't anyone take him? The reality is that this guy, he, you know, he isn't huge. He isn't a size mismatch. He doesn't like, pop off the screen, and that's usually what commands first-round draft capital. But here's the thing, he, despite his size, right, which isn't terrible, 6'2", 205 pounds, he's just not a size mismatch. And for what he plays as, generally an x alpha receiver, um, he's still adequately commanded targets in that Purdue offense. He, doubled his production once Rondell went to the nfl and all things said based on his skill he has many many crisp routes that he runs that are available to him in his route tree a lot of guys coming out of college they have like a couple of routes that they're able to like do really really well whether they be slant routes sluggos uh digs or whatever those routes might look like it's a few of them that they're able to do really really well um the thing is that his film shows him having a crisp route tree that is able to go in out past behind short medium long pretty much anywhere on the field this guy performs really well his routes are really crisp and it excels against both man and zone coverage i I mean this guy's super super versatile when you do see analysis on david bell uh you're gonna see that you know one of the knocks on him is that he doesn't generate a whole bunch of separation and For some reason, this is like a major sticking point that you'll hear from draft analysts all the time, but it just doesn't matter. I mean, that was one of the biggest knocks on Jamar Chase. The guy just doesn't create separation. But honestly speaking, I think separation is a little overrated. The question is, what do you do when the ball is near you? Uh, Jamar Chase had probably the best rookie year of all time, and he still doesn't generate separation. He's just able to catch the ball when it matters. All things said, you know, I I think that he has a lot of characteristics that I want to see in a guy who's going to have a long and fruitful career in the NFL. The final thing I'll say about him is that he has, you know, what, what the football guys like to call, he's got a lot of grit, he's got a lot of moxie, he's got a lot of, you know, it factor. But, I mean, for the most part, that's like, you know, whatever. Here it matters because when we're talking about a guy who isn't going to be given opportunities necessarily from the get and he's going to have to earn them on the team this is the kind of player who, you know, when drafted in later rounds, that sort of feedback and the stuff that you're going to see from this player is what is going to buy him opportunities in that offense to show off his potential. I mean, what do I mean by that? It's not just like pushing to get the first down, you know, being rah-rah, I'm, you know, really strong. It's willingness to do the absolutely dirty work. He goes over the middle, takes hits. He's been clean clocked a couple of different times, uh, on national television while playing games and he just gets back up and he blocks really hard if you tell him hey man go block like he will put as much effort and power that he does into running his routes into blocking and i love that because this guy i feel like he has what it takes to be really really successful in the nfl The reason that he's so low on my list is just the draft capital. And the fact is, when players are drafted really high in the NFL, they get more opportunities. When they're drafted really low, they get fewer opportunities. So what we're really trying to bet on is, will David Bell be able to excel and reach the right types of production quick enough in the few opportunities or fewer opportunities that he's going to get compared to a first-round wide receiver? I think yes. But I'd rather take my chances with more talented receivers who have more opportunities than David Bell. But who knows, once he gets drafted, if it's a lot higher, he might rise up my ranks as well. Now take a look at his NFL comps based on the strong characteristics that we see from his profile. Three years played or more in college football, a BMI of 26 to 27, day two draft capital rounds two or three, and an under 20 breakout age. Look at this list. I mean, generally speaking for any player, you're not really gonna see a hit rate of over 50% for a given profile. By hit rate, we mean the players that we're comparing them to, what is the percentage likelihood that that player is going to hit, i.e. become a successful player in the NFL, generally defined as like a top 24 receiver in the NFL. And his comps are T Higgins, Kenny Galladay, Michael Thomas. Uh, The other three are, you know, KJ Hamler, Hakeem Butler, and Braxton Miller. Okay, those guys were washed, but the three guys that he was compared to, that is something that I like to see. These comps are telling me that they're very similar players. I feel really bullish on David Bell moving forward. Number six, Wandale Robinson, University of Kentucky. Wandale is 21 years old as a junior had 104 catches, 1,334 receiving yards, and 7 touchdowns, and an absolutely absurd 45.5% Dominator rating his junior year, an 18.7 breakout age just like David Bell, a 26.5 BMI, sitting at 5'10", 185, and with a really, really, really high 3.65 3.65 receiving yards per team pass attempt. Like he blew up this year. That's that's really what it is. You probably didn't hear about Wando before this year. And that's because he transferred from Nebraska to Kentucky this year to be in a system that actually leveraged his skill sets. He was recruited as a running back and he converted over to wide receiver, hence his absolute explosion in terms of a position change and then going to a scheme that fits his strengths and weaknesses in Kentucky. And now you see these ridiculous numbers that he put up. All things said, you know, he is used in screen passes. uh, He's in the backfield. He's used in jet sweeps. He's used as a slot receiver. He plays the X. The shades of his running back days are very much apparent in the way that he's used in the offense. And I think kind of the same way that you would see, you know, um, Debo Samuel used uh, in the offense kind of all over the field I think Wandale can really really fit that mold for an NFL team he does create a lot of separation um, and his footwork is tremendous but his massive skills here are that he is extremely shifty and his run after the catch is impeccable if he gets us any kind of space you're screwed you are not going to catch him or if you do it's going to be after like a massive gain being a quick fast versatile highly leveraged receiver um he's gonna be great in the nfl as a slot receiver and i'm really excited to see where he lands because for all you know you know if he ends up with tom brady next year uh if he ends up with aaron Rodgers, uh hell if he ends up in seattle and you know is catching passes in the slot from russell wilson this guy is gonna absolutely rake take a look at his comps i mean Based on his age 18 breakout age, a 25 to 27 range for BMI, and having played 2 to 3 years, I mean, Wandel looks fantastic. I mean, Just looking at the draft capital alone, we're looking at guys like Will Fuller. I mean, we know how explosive a player he is. His problem was never his play. His problem was that he just tore an ACL after he did something for two games. Um, It was more of an injury question. Corey Davis, it took him a while to ramp up, but man, that guy, you know, he was doing really well for uh, the the Jets this year um, until he got hurt. And last year, he really, really stepped it up for the Titans, which earned him his big payday. Uh, I think Corey Davis has very, much established himself as like a very strong wide receiver too in an offense dj chark again people were really really excited about dj chark coming out of college and he performed really well obviously ending up in jacksonville is a massive bummer and you know urban meyer clearly didn't like what they were seeing from dj chark but again a very strong wide receiver too uh if jacksonville is able to get another receiver uh, dj chark's gonna be a guy that you're gonna want on your team henry ruggs okay tragedy I don't think we can really consider him and then elijah moore like elijah moore is one of those guys that uh, you know was slept on in the draft process and then people started to warm up to him and you saw how much elijah moore was respected by the jets offense because down the stretch he was commanding a lot of zach wilson's targets and i think next year you're gonna see elijah moore pop a lot more in comparison to what you saw the previous year Given all of that, I think Wandale has a really good range of outcomes, and I'm excited to see him with a ceiling of around a top-tier wide receiver, too, uh, on a really capable offense. Number five, Jamison Williams, wide receiver for Alabama. Jamison Williams is 21 years old, we think, at least based on my research. Exploded on the scene this year. 75 catches, 1507 yards uh 15 touchdowns i mean he was the bona fide wide receiver one for bryce young and the alabama offense he had a 32 percent dominator rating and really the only year that he's truly had opportunity in college and as a result of that his breakout age is really high whatever his age is right now let's say 21 he has a 21 year old breakout age he is a little bit on the smaller thinner side 6 to uh, 189 pounds with a 24.1 bmi And a pretty high 2.93 receiving yards per team pass attempt. Here's the thing with Jameson Williams you're you're always gonna get one player during the course of a draft where, like, he doesn't fit what you've really seen before. Uh, A lot of him, like, you have to rely on the context way, way more for a player like him. Here's his story He was at Ohio State for two years, he was on the bench. He played minimal snaps sitting behind all of the great wide receivers that, you know, were at Ohio State. And then he had transfers to Alabama this year. And what happens? He immediately becomes the number one guy on the Alabama offense when we really weren't expecting that. He didn't play much in his younger years. So when a lot of our evaluation is dependent on, you know, your history of playing right and whether or not you were able to beat players who were better right than you or older or more experienced than you and we don't have that data what do we do so in essence the question becomes is he truly skilled or is he not as skilled i.e that's why he wasn't able to beat, to get any playing time And as a result, now, you know, in a depleted wide receiver room in Alabama, he kind of comes in, slots in as the number one guy, and really is just beating up on guys younger than him. And that's a pretty big open question. I think Jamison Williams will be a highly debated wide receiver prospect in this upcoming draft. Here's a list of his comps. There are none. There have never been players who broke out at the age of 21 who have only played one year of ball. Hell, for the case of, you know, the comps here, I even relax that to two years. Nobody has ever been in a situation like Jameson Williams. And so because of that, I really feel like I have to trust what I see on the film for this player because the numbers just don't tell us quite enough because we don't have a view into that world. What we do know about Jamison Williams is that as a player, he's extremely shifty. His main skills are route running and just general football IQ. When you mix those two together, what that results in is a receiver who doesn't run good or crisp routes, he runs the right routes. He's able to run and space his routes just well enough to give himself space, knowing his own strengths and weaknesses. He isn't going to bully a DB to you know, go up and catch the ball, but he knows that if he spaces his dig route a certain kind of way, he's going to have the open window in order to catch the ball and take off and gain a lot more yardage out of it. He leverages his speed and his angles really well in order to do this, and so he always has a step on those defenders that he's playing against. I think that he is a weird enough case, an outlier as we call it, where I feel comfortable leaning into his narrative. It's a very unique situation for Jameson Williams, and I think that, all things said, like he will be pretty good in the NFL. Um, I am filming this on the night where the National Championship was played, and Jameson Williams did tear his ACL tonight. Um, and again, just like John Mechie, that does concern me a little bit i think that he will be able to return but it's another risk factor that's added into this player's profile and so while normally he might be somewhere in my top four um i had to bring him down just given the fact that we don't have data on him from before uh the junior year because he didn't play and then now this torn acl where I definitely feel like he is going to get good draft capital and he has the potential to succeed, uh, but he just has more obstacles in, in his way before he's able to achieve that. Number four, Jahan Dotson, wide receiver for the Penn State Nittany Lions. Jahan Dotson will be 22 years old at draft day, a little bit older than we would like, but he had 91 catches. 1,182 receiving yards and 12 touchdowns. Overall had a 33.9% dominator rating his junior year and a little bit higher 20.5 breakout age. He has a 25.5 BMI standing at 5 foot 11, 183 pounds and a pretty modest 2.43 receiving yards per team pass attempt. Again, Jahan Dotson is one of these guys who's a little bit older, he's got that late breakout age, um, and I think here, when you look at Jahan Dotson, he airs a little bit more on the side of Garrett Wilson in terms of the metrics, um, was able to produce, but not until a little bit later, which is always the cause for concern. But when you look at the film, this like I'm in love with this prospect. His biggest strength is his route running. He From what I've read, right, this guy, his consistency in terms of route running is just really advanced for a college prospect. Game over game, no matter what route he runs, you are going to see the exact same route, the exact same crispness, the exact same depth, the exact same speed, acceleration, stop, like all of those things. Each route is a mirror image of his own. And that is a fantastic foundation for a prospect to be entering the NFL with. On top of that, he's got short hands. So that means that he's only dropped two balls this season. In comparison to a player like Garrett Wilson, I think that Jahan Dotson has a much higher floor as a player. And... On top of that, he has those short hands, he doesn't have those concentration drops, which really, really excite me. He leverages his strengths in order to space himself in the field in order to guarantee a catch. And once he knows that the ball is coming in a window that he likes, he's able to track it really well to guarantee a catch. When we talk about ball tracking, this means when you know, you're know you halfway down, your route and the ball is up in the air, how well are you able to predict where that ball is going to land? And because he's so good at ball tracking and his leaping ability is so strong and he's got such surefire hands, what that leads to is a very very intuitive player always placing himself at the right place to maximize his chances of coming down with that ball. He's a player who puts his quarterback in the best position to come down with a catch, not just, you know, being, you know, in position, but like actively putting himself in a situation where he's able to get the ball or no one's going to get the ball. With so many different developed skills for Jahan Dotson, I feel this guy is going to have a very easy time or at least a much easier time transitioning to the NFL in comparison to other wide receivers. And that's what really, really excites me. Now, Damian Parson of the Draft Network compares him to Deontay Johnson, and I completely agree, just without the drops. His play style mirrors Deontay Johnson really, really well. Now, compared to my database, uh, when you take a look at his NFL comps, they're really amazing as well. When you look at just top three uh, round draft capital, a BMI of 24 to 26, and a breakout age of 20 or higher, this is what we've got these nfl comps are pretty good one third chance of being really good based on these comps tyler boyd calvin ridley uh lamb and diami brown who you know the verdict is still out on all guys that i really really liked coming out of college if you filtered this even further to guys who are you know all of those things plus they played at least three years in college here's the list Now, that goes from one-third to one-half. He goes from a 33% chance of being one of these top guys to a 50% chance. And I really, really like this list. If you tell me that he has a chance to be Calvin Ridley or CeeDee Lamb or Diami Brown as prospects coming out of college, like, I really, really like my odds there. And Jahan Dotson excites me, especially in terms of these range of outcomes and his really, really high floor in terms of his overall NFL talent. Number three, Drake London, wide receiver for USC. Drake London is a junior who's 20 years old with 88 catches, 1,084 yards, and seven touchdowns his junior year. He had a 30.3% dominator rating, an 18.1 breakout age, 24.9 BMI, really tall guy, 6'5", 210, and a modest 2.56 receiving yards per team pass attempt. Drake London is going to be a darling, and I think he might be a prospect that both film and analytics Twitter can get behind. His breakout age is, I don't think it can get lower than that, 18.1. His dominator rating is insane, and he's going to be 20 years old coming into the NFL. I really, really like what I've seen from Drake London in terms of his production up until now. Here's some more context on this player. He was a former dual sport athlete at USC, both playing on their basketball team and their football team. He's huge, six five, and he leverages that in order to outmuscle defenders um, to the ball. I mean, if you go and look at any Drake London highlight film, you will see that this guy like. The way he plays, he tries to make sure that the defender knows that they're little. He will make it a point that he will go above and beyond and land on top of that defender while cradling the ball. And that's really exciting to see that he knows what his skills are and he leverages that in his play in college. He's pretty much guaranteed because of that to come down with those contested catches um, anytime that it's a 50-50 ball on top of that he is a massive threat on downfield balls i mean his vertical threat is like insane the thing is that he's not super shifty he's not super quick but he has the big frame the big lanky guy frame and that makes the quick shiftiness a pretty moot point pretty much he's one of those mike evans types of guys where he just needs to be given an opportunity And he'll run down the field, and he will make sure that he comes down with that ball. And that's what a lot of teams are looking for. A big prototypical X receiver, alpha receiver, who you can stretch the field with. I mean, I can totally see a team like New England needing a player like Drake London. My main consideration with Drake London is the fact that he's out for the season with an ankle injury. Now, granted, compared to those ACL injuries we talked about with the wide receivers at Alabama, a bone injury is a lot easier to come back from. But again, those injuries are just more risk that you're adding to players who... You know, are already inherently full of risk. I mean, you don't know where where they're gonna be drafted, you don't know what their situation is going to look like, and you don't know how they're gonna develop. You throw in an injury there, and that's another part of you know, the the package that you're getting with that player that you have to bake in. It's a big reason why Jalen Waddle, you know, he he dropped a little bit in my rankings last year because, you know, with his injury, how well is he going to recover? Is it going to be detrimental to his play? Uh, is he going to be hampered by it? Is all of the stuff that we saw before the injury uh, going to be impacted all the stuff that we loved for that player isn't going to be impacted by that injury and so with drake london i think all of these considerations um his his talent and his size and his skill is just so strong that i think that it still puts him above the rest of this list um but in comparison to my top two uh drake london did dip let's take a look at his comparisons as well based on his you know pretty thin frame for his size his BMI is a little bit lower at 24.9 and his comparisons are Devonta Smith Tutu Atwell Hollywood Brown and DJ Chark I mean again all of these guys are players in the NFL right they didn't bust um but they definitely aren't those alpha X receivers. They aren't Mike Evans. They aren't Jamar Chase. They aren't Justin Jefferson. They aren't Debo Samuel. They aren't AJ Brown. They aren't DK Metcalf. They aren't, they aren't the bona fide number ones on their team. And when you tried to make them the number one on their team, they really weren't able to succeed. Uh, Hollywood take for instance, uh, DJ Chark take for instance, um, Tutu. I mean, I think I didn't like him coming out of college, but with that draft capital, I mean, I think that indicates that he will be getting more opportunities for sure. Drake London is a mixed bag here. I love everything that I'm seeing on film. I think that his range of outcomes is a little bit leaving a little bit to be desired here, but all things said, I mean, let's see where he ends up. Um, I think his talent speaks for itself. Number two. Chris Olave, wide receiver for the Ohio State Buckeyes. Chris Olave is a 21-year-old senior at Ohio State who had the most productive year of his career this senior year, 65 catches, 936 yards, and 13 damn touchdowns. This guy was popping up on the field everywhere that you could see. In the yardage world, he had a subpar dominator rating his senior year, which is a big oof, 18.9%, but his breakout age is really young, 19.2, which falls within our set of criteria that, hey, you know, this guy was doing really, really well when he was younger and less experienced than everybody else. He has a 24.8 BMI, um, which again is a little bit on the smaller, lankier side. Uh, standing at 6'1", 189 pounds, a very, very low 1.89 receiving yards per team pass attempt. I gotta be honest, when last year I heard that Chris Olave would be returning to Ohio State as a senior, um, I thought that was gonna hurt him. But if you take a look at his comps, I mean, I'm gonna start off with these comps. Players who had a age 19 or less breakout age, played four years of college, and got top two round draft capital. I think it's pretty likely that he will end up getting drafted in the first round, but you know, let's give it a buffer. Look at these comparisons. It's absolutely impeccable. If you look at this list, literally just from 2015 onwards, where the NFL started getting smarter, I mean, I don't see a receiver I don't like. Michael Thomas, Juju Smith-Schuster, DK Metcalf, Debo Samuel, T Higgins, Rondale Moore. I mean, all of those guys you want on your team to some extent or another. I really, really like the comps for Chris Olave. We don't even have to look at the film right now for this guy. But hell, why don't we take a look at what his playstyle looks like. His route running is super key. His physical traits to out muscle defenders is on the lower side, but he is guaranteed to get open. Uh, he finds the space within the defense. and. Any QB who's going to be able to deliver the ball to him in a timely manner will effectively allow him to flourish. When he has the ball in his hands, he explodes and he's going to create big plays for your offense. I think there really isn't much more to be said about Chris Olave. We thought he would be a top receiver last year. He produced decently this year. I mean, the comps and the breakout age and the just the Everything about Chris Olave is really, really awesome, and I'm really excited to see where he ends up. I mean, Aaron Rodgers stays in Green Bay, and they get him at the end of the first round. Like, you watch out. You got Tay on one side. You got Olave on the other. Like, that offense is already impeccable. It's going to be way better after that. Chris Olave has got me super excited in the NFL. Uh, Case closed. And that brings me to my number one receiver in the 2022 NFL Draft class, Trelon Burks, University of Arkansas. Trelon Burks has been pretty much viewed as the top receiver in this draft class for um, a little while now. And after doing a little bit of analysis on this guy, I can see exactly why. Uh, He's 21 years old as a junior. This year, he had 66 catches, uh, 1,104 receiving yards, and 11 touchdowns. He had a 39.7% dominator rating, really, really high. And he's huge, he's absolutely massive, 28.1 BMI, standing at six foot three inches, 225 pounds. He has a 19.5 breakout age, and has a really high 3.52 receiving yards per team pass attempt. Burks is overall an extremely versatile wide receiver. He lines up across all areas of the offense, backfield, slot, and X, and he exceeds in every single one of those areas his football iq which you've heard me talk about in previous players uh is really strong due to just how many different roles that he plays in the offense it shows that what he's able to deduce about a defense while playing in the slot reflects in how he runs his routes you know at, at in the in the x position and it shows how he anticipates defenders trying to tackle him when he's in the backfield i mean i love how this guy is being used and i like what i'm seeing when he is used in all of those different ways in the offense when he's in the slot he's able to leverage his frame to create space pretty much what that means is that because you're big you're able to you know shift your shoulder uh, move your body so that you're able to block the defender who is on your hip and as a result you have the first line of sight to the ball which guarantees that you're going to come down with it at the very worst case no one's going to come down with it And when he's running these in-breaking routes, consider a slant route, or consider a medium route where he runs up and then in on a dig route, or even if he runs a slant and go, like, this guy is able to create space just by turning his hips and turning his shoulders. When he plays the X position, his ball skills are absolutely impressive. He attacks aggressively, he could get up to the point of catch, and he wins pretty much every 50-50 ball. When he's in the backfield, he has an intri- like an insane run after catch. He has an ex- extremely strong stiff arm. He is just really hard to bring down because of his frame. And his hands are really, really strong. I, I actually feel like his hands are the strongest strength that this guy has. Um, if it touches his hands, it's going to stick. I mean, like this guy catches everything. When I look at my wide receiver database and I look at players who fit Tre'Lon Burke's profile, we're talking about guys who have played three plus years of college ball, um, had a 19 or younger breakout age, uh, a 28 or higher BMI, and had first round draft capital. This is what we're looking at. It is a bit of a concerning list. Uh, In recent years, we're talking about Jalen Rager, Laquan Treadwell, Rashad Perriman, Justin Blackman, Michael Floyd, Sammy Watkins, Kendall Wright. Like The comps aren't really good. But I also don't think that Traylon Burks can really be compared to a lot of guys on this list. I mean, just by watching the film, like, he doesn't look like Jalen Rager. He doesn't look like Brashad Perriman. He doesn't look like Justin Blackman. He looks like Mike Evans. He looks like Des Bryant. And I really do feel that when you look at, you know, Des and DeAndre Hopkins and Mike Evans, those guys... Are way more representative of who Traylon Burks is as a receiver than you know a lot of the other guys on the list. The other thing I'd like to say about this is that the NFL just has a generally poor track record at drafting wide receivers in the first round. Um, it really, you know, the hit rates of wide receivers being drafted in the first round only started to really increase after 2016. Um, if you look at the guys who were drafted before that in the first round, we're talking about guys like Kevin White, AJ Jenkins, uh, you know, uh, random John Baldwin. Like, I don't even remember half these guys playing, and I've been watching the NFL since like 2005. Um the signal here is not super, super strong based on the history, but when you rely on the film here, Traylon Burks is one of those guys that um, I do feel is a generational receiver and he stands out above everyone else based on his size and based on how he's been able to produce in so many different ways in that offense. It just makes me feel like this guy is going to be successful however the heck he's used in the NFL. I've seen some scouts compare him to Alshon Jeffrey, and I actually feel like that's a pretty apt comparison for Traylon Burks. Big guy, goes up and gets the ball, he is your ex-receiver, soft hands, and really at his peak is you know a top 10 receiver in the NFL. I mean, Alshon Jeffrey at his peak had 89 catches, 1400 yards, and 7 touchdowns. I think you can expect those kinds of numbers from Traylon Burks closer to his ceiling. and. That's where I'm projecting him to be. And that brings us to the end of our wide receiver preview for the 2022 NFL Draft. As you can see, this draft class has a wide selection of players players with a lot of strengths, a lot of weaknesses, a lot of data, not a lot of data. Um, overall, you need a mix of film and analytics in order to understand how these players are going to pan out in the NFL. And I bet you that once these players get drafted, we're going to need a refresh on these rankings as well so that we know how these players are going to be used in the respective offenses. I hope you like this video. This video was meant for people like you who are genuinely interested in what the NFL's future looks like. Thank you for spending the time to watch this video. I hope you found this video to be informative, transformative, productive, helpful in your research, and overall entertaining. My name is Abhi Gupta. If you like this content, you like what we're producing here, we would really appreciate it if you gave this video a like, and you subscribe down below for more content like this in the future. Thanks for watching, and let's hit that music.